0: I'm going to just have a look. An enlarging machine. I wouldn't mind a skinnier machine, not an enlargement machine. Wow, that's amazing. Enlargement machine. Oh, maybe. I might put my watch in there and see what happens. Oh, it might come out bigger. That'd be fun. All right, here comes my watch. Oh, <gasps> what's going on? It's making a funny noise. Oh, right. no. Oh, what? Amazing. It's a belt now. I can use it as a new accessory. How cool is that? Um, what else can I put in it? <gasps> Baby? Maybe... What? what? What is it? Oh, Chocolate Let's make a big one That'll be awesome <laughs> Pastor Adrian can eat it Here comes the chocolate Here we go Oh, oh. oh. Wow Look at that That's amazing That's so big oh. You can't eat that could you No 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 Oh Oh, who else has got something? We've got Lego. Lego! Oh, gee, we could actually build a house with Lego if it enlarges it. Let's try that. Uh-oh. Oh,
1: oh! noise.
0: Here it comes. Oh my goodness! Oh no! What else we can do? What do you want to do? <laughs> Yeah, hey, you think you're an offering that's very clever. <laughs> Alright, oh, we put something. What did you put you baby? I'm oh, bored!
2: do you love the passion of kids? Who would love to have an expansion machine at home? I was looking through the Bible and I've, I've discovered that there was actually an expansion machine in the Bible to some extent. And I was thinking if I could have one of these at home, my coffee wouldn't just be this big. My wallet wouldn't just be this big. (laughs) But I was looking through the Bible to see what I could find and I found that in Kings, there's a reference to something that sort of reminded me a little bit about this expansion machine. It was God speaking to Solomon just after he became king and he said, ask, what shall I give you? What kind of a Christmas wish would you have if God said, ask for something? I want you just to close your eyes for a minute, let your mind go wild and dream, if you can get one thing from God, because he said, ask me of one thing and I will give it to you, what would it be? Who's going to yell out a couple of things? Awesome. Anyone else? A gumball machine. Would it be big gumballs or small ones? Big ones, of course. Good health. Awesome. Anyone else? Peace. I thought we would have had things like money, holidays, (laughs) some of these things, because the reality is sometimes we want things and we can be quite self-centred with it, can't we? I want bigger. I want better. How many of you were thinking, if I had something I could throw in that, whether it was money, whether it was whatever... Our mind wants to go bigger and greater than that. And an enlargement machine, hello, we'll go that way. I'll put him in the enlargement machine and see what happens. <laughs> but there's things that we can ask God. If God was to say, what can I give you? We could ask some some incredible things. But I love Solomon's response. He said, You've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and not have asked long life for yourself or have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone arise like like you after you. I, I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honour, so there shall not be anyone like you among the kings in all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream, and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Uh, in verse 7, I thought it was really interesting that he says, I'm just a little child. And what was uh, it's, He's not actually a little kid, but what he's actually saying is that, I've come to the throne as a young man. I don't really know what I'm doing. And it says in there, he says, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. How would you feel being the king of a country? Would you feel inspired? Would you feel scared? His his king, the king before him was his father David, who was known as a great king, a man after God's own heart. He's got big shoes to fill. But the Hebrew words read something along the lines of him seeing himself as insignificant, young, unimportant, as a youth or a servant. He just didn't have a high opinion of himself. And he understood that, but he didn't go and say, this is all about me, I can have great riches, I can do this. He said, God, I'm scared of what's ahead of me. If you're going to give me something, I need wisdom to know how to do this job. He saw something bigger. He was possibly overwhelmed by the greatness of the task ahead of him, but he knew that for him to expand, it wasn't the time to be greedy. It was a time to ask for God's help and to ask for the tools that he needed to work effectively. Our theme for this year—if I could put the, uh, the slides up, will thanks. The message today, and I'm going to do part two tomorrow, is the big, huge Christmas wish. The big, huge Christmas wish. The theme for this year has been based on expansion, or the theme has been expansion, based around Isaiah 54 verses 2 and 3. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited." What I discovered when I was reading this verse, there's a number of ands in there. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. God just kept going bigger and bigger and bigger. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Who's ever been camping? When you're pitching a tent, what are you looking for? Flat ground? ground. Dry, no rocks? No ant? A peg, yeah. (laughs) If you have a a 60-person tent or a two-man tent, what's the governing factor? Size, space. So when it says enlarge the place of your tent, it's not just saying just look at the tent, it's saying start looking at territory, start looking bigger, start looking greater, start looking at the land, start looking at your inheritance, start dreaming big because God says I want to give you something great, you enlarge the place of your tent, the place of your tent, we're starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, do not spare Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I'm just imagining that as he's stretching out the curtains. Do not spare. Is this enough? No, go more. Is this enough? No, go more. And keeps getting bigger and bigger. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. The foundation's got to be solid as well. And I was thinking on this. It reminded me of a scripture in First Kings when Elijah says to Ahab to go up and eat. And, and Ahab starts going back to where he's from. But Elijah goes up and starts praying. And he says to his servant, go and have a look and see if there's a cloud yet. Because he prophesied there was rain coming. And so it says he went seven times to go and look. And I was thinking of Elijah praying. He is praying, He's expecting rain because that's what God told him. And until he saw that, that was all he expected. He says to the servant, go and have a look. The servant comes back. There's nothing there. Go again. So the servant goes and looks, comes back. There's still nothing there. Go again. Goes away and looks, comes back. Go again. And he went again and again and again. And he continued going because he thought Elijah was nuts. But Elijah had an expectancy that God said, and therefore God will see this come to pass. And finally he said, I see this tiny little cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, it's on its way. Now run and tell the king the rains are about to come. I can imagine the servant going, but it's a little cloud. Don't you want to wait just a little bit longer? And Elijah probably would have said, you want to go again? Because I will continue sending you until you see what God said. He stood there, he believed. He understood that when God speaks, you have to see it through. So when God says, enlarge the place of your tent, when God says expansion, we have to start believing for that. We have to start walking that out. We have to start expecting that when God says, build, that we build. But we don't have the people to fill. I said, build. When God says, go, you go. When God says, I will provide, you just start functioning, knowing that God will be your provision. That God will give you what you need. When God says you are healed, then you continue walking that out until you see your healing come to pass. Amen? What you see in front of you should not be what you're governed by. You should be governed by the promises of God's word. You should be governed by the fact that God said. You might go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a bad report. Well, thanks for the negative report, Doc, but I tell you what, God said, and I will come back with proof that you're wrong and he's right. That's the level of expectancy we need to have. Enlarge the place of your tent, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. Why? Because you will expand to the right and to the left. There's an expectation on expansion. God sees expansion. God believes for expansion. God believes that there's something bigger coming. Amen. God wants us to see expansion the way He does because He believes for expansion, and He wants us to believe for the same expansion. Now, John, I said I had to keep looking at him, but he hasn't looked at me once. <laughs> We'll have to see if we can get that fixed for tomorrow. But the enlargement machine gives us a a bit of an understanding of what it's like to dream big. Let's throw it in and see what comes out. Let's put God to the test and see what he actually does. God wants us to dream bigger. Amen? God wants you to dream bigger for your ministry, for your own life, for your family. Not so much numbers. But believe for big things for your family. Believe for growth. Consider some of the miracles that Jesus did. In John 2, Jesus turns the water into wine. In Luke 5, after fishing all night, Peter states they've caught nothing, but Jesus commands there is a catch so big that their nets start to tear and they need to call in a second boat to help. In Matthew 8, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. In Luke 7, he stops a funeral. Can you imagine that? He just walks up, there's a funeral carrying the coffin through and he says let me have a look and he heals the guy and raises him from the dead in Matthew 8 Jesus speaks to a storm and it obeys he's in the boat asleep and he gets woken up the storm is so big what are we going to do and Jesus speaks to the storm and says it's time for you to be quiet and the storm stops Jesus finds a kid's lunch and feeds 5,000 people with it. He walks on water. Another time he fed 4,000 people. He heals a demon-possessed man and casts the demons into a herd of pigs. In Matthew 17, he's required to pay tax, so he catches a fish and pulls the payment out of its mouth. That'd be a great way to pay your tax, wouldn't it? In Matthew 21, he speaks to a fig tree and it dies. In John 11, Lazarus is brought back to life after being dead for three days. You imagine opening the tomb and the smell that would have come out and yet he still calls him forth and does a creative miracle. In John 1, uh, 20, sorry, twenty one twenty five, Jesus did many other things as well. It says, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have enough room for the books that could be written. Our God is a powerful God. Amen? Amen. Jesus is bigger and greater than we can ever imagine. And Satan likes you to think that he is bigger. He likes you to think that he's, he's the big bad guy. But he has absolutely nothing on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus said, I saw him cast out of heaven like lightning. That's not a small exit. That's a decent amount of speed. He was cast out of heaven. John fourteen twelve says, I tell you the truth, if anyone believes in me, will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I think that's a really powerful thing that we should be able to do more than Jesus did. That's, what he did. that's exactly right. That's what Jesus said. So let me ask you this, with all that in mind, if you could give God a Christmas wish, what would you give him? Because so often we say, God, I need you to do this for me. God, I need that. God, I need this. If we're in partnership with God, then God has a right to call in some favours of us. So if you could give God a gift, what would it be? Would it be your life saying, God, I want to do something for you? God, I want to be involved in changing the world. I want to have a part to play in this. I don't want to just go to work five days a week and have a weekend, maybe go to church. I want to see lives changed. God, I want to be part of this, this change that you want to bring. I want to be part of this expansion. Because the key to greatness for us is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And if we look in Acts 1.8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth if Jesus said that we would see him do more we would do more because of him we need to receive the same power that he had when he got baptised the Holy Spirit came upon him don't ever think that you're going to do great things uh, for God without the Holy Spirit you can't you're not that good but God wants to partner with you to do something good Our thinking is often, one day I will get. One day. This says you will receive power. Well, God's going to give me a gift. One day it's going to come. But the Greek there says that the word receive means to take possession of. Who loves Christmas presents? How do you get a Christmas present? You receive it. You take possession of it. So Acts eight, you will take possession of power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the other word I like here is the word upon, the Greek word means to superimpose. So the Holy Spirit comes over you, he superimposes himself over you and the word superimpose means to place or lay one thing over another so that both are still evident. The Holy Spirit will not work apart from you. He won't say, you just relax at home, watch TV, watch movies, go have a lot of fun. I'll go out and change the world. No, no, he says, we're going to do this together. And when we change the world, people are going to see you. When we change the world, people are going to see me. So when the world sees things happening, they're going to know the Holy Spirit's there, but they're going to see you at work with that. And it's important to understand the Holy Spirit works with us, not instead of us. So our thinking is often we get given, one day it's going to come. But if you've been baptised in the Holy Spirit, you already have that power. You already have the capacity within you for expansion, for enlargement, to change the world. Why does God want to see greatness in you? Why does he want to empower you? Why does he want to enlarge you? Because your job is to change the world. Your job is to go out and, and make a difference in people's lives. That's your job. But don't you dare try and do it on your own because you need the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't want to do it without you. He doesn't want to see you running out there struggling. He wants to do this with you. And imagine a life where you're led by the Holy Spirit in everything you do. Imagine knowing the right business deals to make, knowing the right people to connect with. You could be walking down the street and God says, I need you to talk to this person and tell them how much I love them because their father rejected them. Doesn't matter what their father did, I'm now their father and I want to make a difference. You tell them that and who knows what's going to happen. God speaking through you can change lives. So many of us have seen God at work and we know that God is alive. We know that God is powerful. We know that God wants to change lives. I want to be part of that. I love seeing a person come from one place and totally transform in God. Amen. I love seeing that. That we know how to pray when something comes up because it's a prophetic prayer. I remember a number of years ago, I was struggling with something. I went to talk to Adrian McKenna saying, look, I, just, I need to bounce something off you. I need some advice. And he had no idea what to say. We were just... We were just talking at the end. He said, let's just pray about this. And his prayer was a prophetic prayer. It hit me right between the eyes. It was the answer to everything I was asking. And I walked out of that within that 15 second prayer going, God just gave me the answer. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit every day, not just on Sunday morning. And when Jesus left... There was one thing he told the disciples, you must have. Who knows what that is? You need the Holy Spirit. He said, wait for the gift. Don't do this on your own. He told the disciples, your job is to change the world, but don't do it until the Holy Spirit's been released. Because you need him. And so if we look at this verse again, looking at it from what the Greek says, when you take possession of the Holy Spirit, he will superimpose himself over you. Whatever you do, he will do. Whatever you say, he will say. Wherever you go, he will go. On top of this, you will be my witnesses in your hometown, in your city, in the surrounding regions, even to the ends of the earth, because you won't be alone. The Holy Spirit will be doing it in partnership with you. I love the Holy Spirit is in partnership with us. How many of you have ever felt God say, just go and talk to that person or say this to that person? That's the Holy Spirit. And the more we obey, the more we listen, the more we pray, the more we say, God, speak to me, write things down, the more we're going to get familiar with what his voice sounds like. When Nathan first started going out with Beck, initially he might introduce himself over the phone. But now, he doesn't have to say a whole lot. He just rings. She knows the voice just like that. Most of us will be the same with people. That you get a salesperson ring up. You don't know who they are. You know instantly what they want because of the tone of their voice. But the Holy Spirit, should be, we should be so familiar with him that when he speaks, we go, I know who that is. And I will respond instantly because God plans good things for you. Good God, bad devil. God plans good things for your life. Satan plans bad things for your life. He is out to steal, kill and destroy. He doesn't care about you. He wants to wipe you off the face of the earth because he sees you as a threat. So if he can wipe you out, then you don't matter. You need to understand that God says, I see value in you. The reason he did that, he he died for us while we were sinners. He saw value in us while we were still sinners. He gave his life for us. We might sit there and go, I I don't matter, I, I don't qualify. Like Solomon said, I'm just an insignificant young man who doesn't know how to go out, how to come in. I don't know how to make decisions. And he asks for wisdom. Well, you actually have that wisdom in you because the Holy Spirit's there. God wants to work through you to touch and change lives. Jesus isn't just the reason for the season. He's the reason for every day of our lives. And in case you hadn't realised, the manger is empty. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. Because Jesus has risen from the dead. He was born. He lived his life. He paid the price for your eternal salvation. And he went to heaven to enforce it. And he released his Holy Spirit so that you can walk out and bring the same change to other people. This Christmas, God's wish is that you say, here I am, Lord, send me. God's wish is to see the world saved. That's why Jesus came and died. That's why he left heaven to come to earth. Because he saw value in the earth. He didn't just make it for something to do. It wasn't just a pastime. He saw value in you and I. And that's why Jesus came to this earth. Because he said, I see such value in you. I'm not going to leave you in Satan's grip. I'm going to create a way where you can be my own child again. 1 Corinthians 2.9 nine says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. If you love God, you can't even begin to imagine how much he loves you. You throw something in this expansion machine, and you expect something good to come out. Well, imagine what's going to happen if you throw yourself into the hands of God. You're not going to get the bells and whistles and the flashing lights, the computer sounds, but God will start to change you on the inside. God will start to do a work. The thing that you're longing for, that family connection you're wanting, that love feeling that you're lacking, that you're so desperately wanting, God says, I have all that and more. I want to see change in your life. I want to see breakthrough in your life. I want to see you become the best you can be. Satan doesn't do that. He pretends to, but his only intention is to destroy you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for you. That's why Jesus came. That's why the Holy Spirit was released. I want this Christmas for you guys to be one where you walk out of here and say, I'm going to give God a gift this Christmas and tomorrow we're going to look at part two of this message. But I don't just want it to be part one, part two, let's leave here and go and have a great time. Know who you are in Christ. Know what Jesus did for you. I'm going to ask the music team to come forward. I'd like everyone to stand up. Christmas is a time where we tend to be greedy, not necessarily intentionally, but we tend to think of all the commercial, the commercialism, the presents, the gifts, what can I get? We've got to buy the kids this, we've got to get this ready, we've got to sort that out. This Christmas, give God a gift. This Christmas, let your life be something that changes other lives. This Christmas, let you turn and say, God, I want to give you something this year and it's going to be me. Let this Christmas be the first day of the rest of your life. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for the fact that you are a a great and an incredible God. That your love for us supersedes anything that we could even imagine. That your plans and intentions for us supersede anything we could even think. That no matter what comes our way, we know that your love is greater. No matter what supposed offers come before us, we know that your love is greater. The Bible says that we were all born into sin. And the Bible says that as sinners, we're worthy of the death penalty. But the Bible also says that Jesus stepped in and took our place so that we wouldn't have to die. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he says, if you confess, he's not going to do the work first. He's made a way, he's created a path for you that you can actually come before him and say, God, I, I want this. And you might say, oh, but I've just done too much. I'm I'm connected already to this party. I can't get out of this contract. I I can't do anything. I can't, I can't, I can't. Satan wants you to think you can't, but God says, I already have. And Satan has no control over you spiritually. Jesus paid the price. He did everything. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, that's what I want. And Satan has to back off. He has no authority. So I'm going to ask while everyone's eyes are closed for you to actually think, do I want to respond to God this Christmas? Do I want my life to be something that changes from this day forward? That Christmas 2017 not just be the year that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ but it's the year we celebrate the birth of me. The rebirth of me. Because from this moment on I want to start changing lives. From this moment on I want to be valued by God. From this moment on, I want to be different. If that's you this morning, I would ask you to raise your hand nice and high. We're going to pray with you. We're going to declare that God is bigger and stronger. We're going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are Lord. I acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge the fact that I need a Saviour. Your word says that we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So I confess that I'm a sinner before you. And I ask that you forgive me. And I thank you that that is now done. I thank you that you are God I thank you that you love me I surrender my life to you that Christmas 2017 will be a year of salvation a year of change a year where I bow my knee to Jesus Christ I surrender to you I make you Lord of my life I cancel every other contract and I surrender to you. I thank you for the blood. I thank you that you gave your life for me. I thank you that I am forgiven. And I thank you that I am your child. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the team to finish with a song. If you'd like to come forward for prayer, feel free to come up. If you want to talk to me further afterwards, do that as well. But don't walk out of here going like, "Ah, oh, oh, I'll think about it some more. Make this Christmas a time where you choose God is first. Give him the gift of your salvation this year. Father, we thank you for today. We pray that this weekend will be a weekend of change for all of us. I pray for your protection upon us all. I thank you, Lord, that as we we go out, as we engage with our families, as we, we continue doing things that we do year in, year out, Father, we want to acknowledge you. We thank you for all you've done. We surrender to you and we ask for your anointing on us that we can serve you the best we can today. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.